If you could rise with me for the reading of the word of God, we want to give honor to the written word of God. In this house, we believe in the authority, right, of the word of God. So if you could open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Everybody say, serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you could skip to verse 23, it says, Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And then we're going to look at one more scripture. Benjamin's been saying Matthew 6, 33. It says, but, everybody say, but, seek first the kingdom of God. Did he say seek your convenience? Seek your desires? Seek what the world says, what is good? No, it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Father, I thank you that you are here and you are preparing us, your sons and daughters, to really live as a kingdom first Christians. And today, Lord, you want to, you want to teach us, empower us, anoint us to live a kingdom first family that we would maintain, develop a kingdom first family show us how teach us how we look to you in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated so we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about prioritizing the kingdom of god over your family now, if you come from like my generation, like 40s and 50s, when you hear that, oh, it's very uncomfortable because pastors that were above us, like a generation before us, the way they lived their lives was kingdom first, man, you neglect your family and you go to church seven days a week. And so when we hear prioritizing kingdom of God over your family, I don't know about you. Someone like, oh, like that feels uncomfortable. But I feel like in the season, God wants to teach us right so that we know God right and we know the Bible right and so, so that we could live right as sons and daughters of God, right? It's very natural to feel that we must put our family first. I agree, right? You must do, especially if you have children, you must do what is best for your family as long as, everybody say as long as. 
You understand that what is best for your family is doing the will of God for your family. God knows. Everyone say, God knows. God knows what is best for your family better than you. Okay? Sometimes what you think is best for your family is not what's best. And sometimes what God says is best for your family does not seem like the best. But in those moments, we have to surrender. Surrender to the kingdom of God. If you want to have the best family life you can possibly have, you must be intentional, say intentional, about building a kingdom first family. Everybody say kingdom first family. Now, especially here at SF Campus, a lot of you are going to think, oh, I'm single. So this sermon does not apply to me, all right? And so now you're going to go to what you're going to eat after church. Stay with me. This is word of God, not only for the members here with family, but even for singles. You may think, well, when I got married, when I, you know, when I have kids, then, then that's when I will learn how to build a kingdom first family. But if you ever to have a kingdom first family, you must be a kingdom first Christian. Okay? And in order for you to have a kingdom first family, when you get married, you must marry someone who shares that same value. Okay? If you are dating people who places their own desires, needs, and aspirations above the will of God, you are setting yourself up for an idolatrous family experience. What did Benjamin's been saying past two weeks? Hmm? Anything first other than kingdom of God is idolatry. Even family first is idolatry. Whatever we prioritize above the kingdom of God is idolatry. Right? Kingdom first family. Here in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua gathers all the leaders, all the elders, all the people, everyone to the field. And he's saying this, you know, choose. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. You want to serve God or you want to serve the God of the land that you live? You got to choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here, you know what Joshua is teaching us? Teaching us What he's teaching us, you must make the decision. Okay? You must make the decision just like he did. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to become kingdom first family. That kingdom of God will reign over our family. My family will remain under the rulership of God. You know, when Aletheia was an infant, it's easy for me as a pastor to say, kingdom of God, right? Prioritize your, the kingdom of God before your family. You know, it took me nine years to have Aletheia. Aletheia was a miracle child. And you know, like Chris and Christine, I don't know if you know them, they recently had a baby and she, Noe is perfect. She doesn't cry. 
she just lays there and she just smiles. Well, Aletia was the opposite. She cried every second. She screamed every moment. I felt so bad as a parent because often, you know, our people, living old people, they pray for this child. So when we brought her to church after one month, right, everybody thought, this is our baby, your miracle child. I pray for you. And they just rush. And every person that came to love an Aletia, you know what she did? She would slap them. She would pull their hair and she would not even want to look at them. You know why she was like that? She was very colicky. She had a lot of gas and she had a lot of pain. And so every night, we had to like shake her. And we, Benjamin even made a song in Korean. Like he, we had to sing song loud and we had to violently shake her. And you know what I learned early on is that her sleeping was number one priority. Because when she didn't get enough sleep, plus the gas pain, like, she looked demonized. And in order for me to, like, at least, for her to learn how to live with peace, I had to make sure she slept. So, you know, I was like, I did everything about her sleep pattern. Like, every that was my priority. And after a few months, I don't know, eight, nine months, around that time, I told Benjamin, Benjamin, at that time, we had Thursday thunder, Thursday night service every Thursday, right? And I loved it. So powerful, right? I said, Benjamin, I'm sorry, but I can't take a late yet to Thursday thunder, Thursday night thunder anymore. Like, she needs to sleep. Every time I take her to Thursday thunder, it takes me two to three days to get her back to the regular sleep pattern. And then by the time she got used to it, Thursday thunder. And it, I, I, I just can't. We, we have to help Alekia. And so Benjamin's like, okay. So for a while, like a couple of weeks, I didn't take her to Thursday Thunder. During that time, God visited me and he spoke to me. And he says, Sonny, I know you're doing this for Alekia, but do you think this is best for Alekia? And then he Help me see some of the children, even my friends that grew up in church, but then the parents prioritize their what's comfort for the baby. And those kids, like, oh, no, like, they were sheltered, right? They're so used to that. They grew up with that. And then as they grew older, they didn't want to go to church because they're not comfortable in the house of God. And then as they became teenager, God was not their value. And often parents came to church without their children. And then as they turned to early 20s and 30s, they were not even walking with God. And so I heard the Lord say, Sonny, who do you want to influence Aletheia? Whom you love? The child that you would give your very life for. I understand you are concerned with her sleep. But do you want the world to influence her? Or do you want the house of God and the people of God? Do you want to grow up feeling just comfortable in the house of God? And I was like, God, I want the house of God, the word of God to influence my daughter, not the world. And so I called Chinwe. 
And I called our other friend. This is what God is saying, but it's really hard. I don't know. But you know what? I can't do it by myself. But uh, um, can we do? Can we make a pact right now? She's like, "What do you mean? Let's make a pact that no matter how difficult it gets, that we will raise our children in the house of God." And you know what, Chinwita? She said, "Yes, yes, Sunny, let's do it." And you know, a couple of years, few years later, right? Thursday thunder comes and. I see Ola and Alethea in the front. Thursday, thunder, holding hands, dancing. Remember, I don't know if you remember, Ola. They were dancing every Thursday night. They weren't afraid of what people thought. And even now, Alethea is shy, and she may not do that here, but if you come to my house and you just like hide and see, she will turn on the worship YouTube video and she would dance. She would dance. Even when we went on sabbatical and we told her, Aletia, we can't go to Living Hope for three months. She's like, what? That's not fair. <laughs> and when we were in the Bay Area in United States, she's like, I don't care if you're not going, but I'm going to Living Hope. And so in Emeryville's side, Benjamin and I, we weren't allowed. But you know what Aletia would do? She would get a ride to go to church. She loves to come to the house of God. But that value wouldn't have been there if I chose convenience and sleep pattern. Right? And for a different family, it could be you need to stay home because she needs sleep. There isn't one answer that is right for everyone. The key is you not choosing what is best for your family, what is most convenient for you. The key is, God, what is your will in this situation, in this season of our life? You know, when even when up to like when they were two, right? Sometimes I would come to church, and most of the time, I'm in the back. Remember wait, that Chen Wei? Most of the time, at that time when we, I was pregnant with Aletheia, God said, you know, barren womb will bear a child and that's a prophetic sign of faithfulness. So once I got pregnant, guess how many, how many babies were, were born in that same year? Eleven babies. So you better know, in that baby room, there were eleven kids with eleven parents. And with 11 kids, it's, a, it's chaotic. Even though we had a video, nobody heard the sermon. <laughs> nobody heard the sermon. And I was tempted to say, along with other mothers, what's the use of coming? I can't even hear the word. But you know what God taught me early on? You may not be able to hear the word, but you are in the presence of other brothers and sisters. That, that, that eye contact. That high, that you being in the presence of God does to you and your child spiritually more than you and I will ever understand. Hmm? And as Aletheia grew up, right, others took on. We had, we had different teachers who changed her diapers. You know? And you know, even in that, you know what I learned? Was this, that Aletheia matured because 
the community help raise her. It's not just mommy. You know what I mean? But not only that, Alethea, even Ola, Rumi, Obi, even Minju, the, the call of God, the, the hand of God over their lives, even if they're little and you think they can't speak, their presence is gift to our community. Not only for just mothers and fathers, but even for you singles. Then their presence here is a gift to you. You know, one of the things that I learned is that maturation can only happen when there's at least three to four generations in a community. If you run with millennials, yeah, it's easier. You go faster and far. But 20 years later, guess what? Internally, you will never mature. You need younger generations in your life. You need older generations in your life for you to mature. One of the things that I tell our missions team, we have our faithful, very faithful missions team leader, David Erman. He's a, he's, if you haven't seen him, he's the Burger King guy. He looks like Burger King, right? A lot of beer, right? White in his, right? How old is he? 70 something, right? But you know what? So in the beginning, the young millennials, they don't know what to do because we're on the mission field. We gotta eat and go fast. And he's just taking his time. <laughs> and I could see frustration arising in the young people. It's like, ah. And if, and if I like divide the team, like they're all wishing, don't, don't put him in my, like, like, cause they want to go fast and far. But you know what? That's a gift. In your struggle, dealing with the elders is a gift. That's how you grow. That's how you mature. You hear me? You hear me? We need different generations in our community. Hmm? You hear me? So you have to see, even when, you know, I was talking to um, Joanna, and, you know, as like young parents, like they feel bad. Like if their young child is like, you know, what if I bother people, you know, but, but it's like actually Minju is a gift. Did you see the baby right there? Do you know how well she worships the Lord? The, 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 the call of God to be a worshiper is so evident. Often I'm like, Minju, do you have any idea what you're doing? But the worship that she releases is so pure. So pure. And you and I need to see that. You and I need to witness that. Hmm? True joy. Everybody say true joy. Comes from maturing well. And we need, we need you, Ola, in our life. Obi, we need you. Minju, we need you. David, even though he's not here, we need you. Pastor Larry Ann and Vern, we need you. But you know, when I look at the Venables, that's kingdom first family. I'm sorry, I got to put you on blast right here in a good way. A 16-year-old helps lead worship. Who does that? A 16-year-old Rumi writes worship songs in her bedroom. Who does that? You know, I heard about a few weeks ago, 
Eunice was it came to the altar and was bawling, crying. But then Ola and Obi came, and they put their hands on Eunice with sincere faith. They prayed for Eunice. Chin Wendara, was that easy? Was that easy? How'd you, how'd you, how do you have a kingdom first family? Was it easy? You know what they will say? No. They had to make some inconvenient decisions, like waking up all the kids at what time? What time did you wake them up? Six in the morning. Singles. You don't want to get up at nine to come to church at 11. These young kids have to wake up at six to come here and just watch their parents practice. Kingdom first family does not just happen. By herself, Rumi cannot just love God and love worshiping and write worship songs. It's because the parents had to make some decisions to put kingdom first. Hmm? The word of God determines the culture of your family. You hear me? Not the world, not your desires, not your struggles, not what is popular, not what is convenient, but what the Word of God says determines the culture of your family. It is believing what God believes. It is valuing what God values. It is being influenced by God and His Word and not the spirit of this age. Homosexuality, abortion, social justice, a lot of things that we're struggling with. Do we allow the world, do we allow what is comfortable in our heart to determine what we believe or do we allow the word of God or do we allow King, Jesus, God to determine. Can I, can I just be real right here? Let me, let me take a moment. If you're gay and you're here, or if you have friends that are gay and it's hard for you to hear this, listen, if you're gay, you're here, God loves you. He loves you. He died for you. loves you. You're a child of God. Now we may differ in what we believe because for me I have to choose the word of God and according to the word of God marriage is between man and woman and sexual intimacy is between husband and wife and all other sexual intimacy is forbidden by the word of God. That's the stance of this house. Now, you may say, oh, 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 you're that kind of church. Never coming back here. I hope not. I hope not. Because I'll be the first to admit, as an institution of the church, we've done poor and loving and reaching out to the LGBT community. And I, I'm sorry. 
I repent. I want to know better. I want to, I want to learn how to reach that community with the love of God. But if you just leave, how will we ever know? How will we ever learn? I mean, in order for you to stay, and that means like we have to change our stance. Okay, that's not going to happen. But if you're willing to say, I'm going to acknowledge God in my struggle. I'm going to acknowledge God even in what I believe. But I want the king. I want the rulership of God. If you're willing to submit and surrender, we're ready. Benjamin and I and the leadership of this church, we're ready to hear you, learn from you, and to reach not only you, but the whole community. You know, one of my favorite person in the world struggles with this. You know, and, and, and this person knows. He always comes to me and say, Pastor Sonny, I'm your favorite. In a sense, it's true. I love him so much. But he knows what I believe. He knows what I believe. But he doesn't feel rejected by me. And because I love him, my love for him empowers me to stand. When the culture says, oh, no, no, I'm standing in the biblical stance because I love him. Spirit of this age, spirit of offense, we get offended by anything, everything. Like even Christians, we get offended by everything. You said that word? Oh, my gosh, I'm so offended. You didn't say that word. Oh my gosh, I'm so offended. You know what I see in this day and age is Christians, even Christians. We're like, you know, the hypnotized people, like the, the, that aspire We just walk around hypnotized and we don't even know we're being influenced. We're being hypnotized by the spirit of this age. But I hear the Lord saying, it's time to wake up. Sons and daughters of God, it's time for you to put kingdom first because that's the best way. To live a joyful life. Hmm? Kingdom first family is listening. Everybody say listening to the voice of God for your decisions. You know, I didn't go to missions for a whole year after I had Aletheia. That was my sacrifice. If you don't know me, missions is my life. I live and die and breathe, right? I wake up, I go to sleep dreaming about missions. So I didn't go to missions. You know, I wanted to, you know, like breastfeed my child. You know, I want to give her, you know, everything. And once she turned one, I, I went one a year for like a couple of years. And then I added two. And you know, up until like that was, I believe, around seven, every time I left for missions, I cried. I would come up and people would lay their hands to send me with prayer and I would just bawl. Because I would feel like, what kind of mother am I? My, what if my child needs therapy because her mother keeps leaving her to do the will of God, to, you know, like reaching the laws. And I would feel terrible about my motherhood. And I would just cry. And I would just cry, God, I'm willing to give this up. Because, like, my number one is to be a lady as mother. She's just a kid. Oh, and I would just cry, but I feel God leading me to go. And then I say yes. And then as I'm leaving, I'm just bawling until, everybody say until. God spoke to me 
when I was leaving, when she was about seven years old, God said, Sonny, you're not just doing this for your calling. You're not just obeying me because I called you. You are leaving a spiritual inheritance to your child. It's priceless, Sonny. It's for Alethea also. When you go rescue those victims of human trafficking, it's an inheritance that you're leaving Alethea with. And from that moment, after that seven-year-old encounter with God, guess what? I never cry. Kingdom first. You know what she does now? And some of you, you know, she used to sell those like handmade bracelets. Do you know she, she would raise funds to give birth certificates to street kids? You know, you know what I mean? Like she would gather her toys to send it to the orphanage in Indonesia. Do you think she's that great? She was born like that? No. I'm sorry. I'm just being real. No. But it's the inheritance that she received because Benjamin and I made that decision of inconvenience. Hmm? Kingdom first does not mean we have to come to agreement with everything. Benjamin and I defer in a lot of things. Politically, we've never voted for the same candidate. <laughs> Theologically, I come from very conservative <laughs> Presbyterian, right? It took me a lot to come and preach in the front because I was taught that was not biblical, right? Even what we value, he values fun. If God blesses us with, you know, money, he's like, let's go, let's spend it all. He'll provide again. Me, it's like, no, don't even touch it. Just give it, give time, and we're not going to touch it. We're going to save it. Even what we value is so different. But we have a great marriage. You know why? Because in all those different situations, I don't fight for my heart. And Benjamin does not fight for what he believes and what his heart desires. You know what we fight for? We come and say, God, what is your will? What do you want? What do you desire? And because we see God's voice, even though when we are so different, I like to eat pho. He likes to eat burritos. But we have a great marriage. Singles. Let me talk to some singles before I end. You must live kingdom first right now. It, kingdom first family just doesn't happen. Hmm? It just doesn't happen when you get married. Singles. Stop judging other parents with little children. You know why? All my friends who said, I would never do that. Why would they blah, blah, blah? They all repented after they had kids. I'm just telling you in advance. When, when a little kid on an airplane cries nonstop and you just want to jump off the plane. Instead of judging that family, pray for that family. You're sowing 
You hear me? And God, you're using this frustrated situation to mature me. See it in that kingdom perspective. Hmm? You must choose a kingdom first boyfriend. Girls, you must. Boys, you must choose kingdom first Christians. Amen. Yes. In your loneliness, uh, can I just be real singles? In your loneliness, yeah, you're tempted to compromise. I'm going to pray for their salvation. God has called me to evangelize. You're in your loneliness. You want to compromise. But it's not just you that decision affects but it determines the destiny of your future children. It determines the family values and life. Oh, God, if it wasn't your will, why'd you let it happen? Don't blame God. It's your decision. I'm tired of singles. I ask God if it's not, if it's not your will, just take him away from me. Take this desire away. And he didn't. So I thought it was God's will. Eh. <laughs> Kingdom first. Not your desire first. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Here, you know what? When Joshua said that, Israelites immediately, if you continue to read, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. God is a jealous God. You can't say you're going to serve God and serve other gods. You have to choose one. You can't serve both. Are you sure? And they say, we're going to serve God. God is the one who rescued us from slavery. We're going to serve God. Then you saw. You know what Joshua said? Then, if you're going to serve God, then get rid of all those idols, foreign gods. What did Benjamin say? Anything you prioritize over kingdom is your idol. Your convenience can be your idol. Your desires can be your idol. Your success can be your idol. you got to, today, I hear God say, let's clean, let's, let's do some inner house cleaning. In the rooms of your heart, there are many rooms and there's some idols in there. God is saying, you're going to serve me. You're going to be kingdom first, sons and daughters of God. Let's do some cleaning. Hmm? Hmm? Your words and your actions have to go hand in hand. You can't say, yes, yes, family first and you're never home. You can't say God first and you never open the Bible. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. I will serve God. You say that. But often, you choose your career, your fun, your comfort, your convenience, your will, and not God's will. And God is saying, wake up. It's like, I see God just like, you know that we're spiral, like we're hypnotized. We're like, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Oh, wait, oh, 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 that's not. Oh, oh, I thought God is just waking us up. Just come on. And then our eyes come back to normal. Oh, okay, this is what your word says. 
What does that look like in your daily decisions? If I could have the worship team come up. You know what God is saying? Just like the prophetic word earlier, I don't require perfection from me. I don't require for you to know everything and be perfect. You know what he says? Acknowledge me in your struggles. Acknowledge me in your lack. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him. Everybody say acknowledge. And he shall direct your path. Psalm 91, 14 says, I will protect him for he acknowledges me. If I say acknowledge. Hmm? Jeremiah 9, 3, it says, they do not acknowledge me. In Hosea, over and over and over again, God says, my people do not acknowledge me. I, I have this against them. They don't acknowledge me. And Hosea 6.3, the prophet says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. And even God says in 13.4, he says, you shall acknowledge no God but me. No Savior except me. God is saying, get rid of everything that you have prioritized over the kingdom of God. Yield your hearts to the Lord, to value what he values, to believe what he wants us to believe, to desire what he wants you to desire. You know what God is saying? Even your struggles, surrender. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everybody say all these things shall be added to you. Kingdom first family means each one of us, whether we are married or not, have children or not, living a daily life of kingdom first. But can I be real? Without trust, that's impossible. Brody said during Sunday shift, it's hard for you to just say yes because we don't really believe that God cares about those things that we long for. I'm going to end with this story. You know, we were in Indonesia, and we had this young man, 23-year-old young man, Ryan. During our worship, I said, Ryan, I just feel led to ask you to give your testimony. 23-year-old, passionate for Jesus. He's on the mission field, right, with us. He starts to share. You know, guys, I'm one, I was one of those little boys that just waited for daddy to come home. And every day when daddy came home, I would get up and run, daddy! I was that kind of son. But one day, when I was a child, daddy stopped coming home. And I waited, and I waited for my daddy to come home. Years later, he becomes a Christian. And he's believing and praying for the salvation and deliverance of his father. He's believing. He's standing in faith and he's waiting for daddy to come home. And so like we're all waiting. Oh, did daddy come home? With tears streaming down, you know what he said? I found out not far away from our house that my father died in the streets of New York. And I struggled. I struggled. I always believed that God it's good. God is always good. 
But in that moment, if I could be completely honest, I said, God, you're almost always good. Yeah, you're good. But here, here, you're almost always good. Because my daddy didn't come home. And he said, I struggled. Until God started to show me that he loved my father more than I could ever love him. That he longed for my father more than I could ever long for my father. That my dad, my father was God's son whom he loved. And he said, you know what? I could testify. Even with that, even when my father didn't come home, I could testify to you today that God is always good. I know a lot of us do not come from Kingdom First family. And we have a lot of pain. And sometimes your cry would be, God, if you're good, why would you allow this to happen? God, I don't understand. They say you're good, but it doesn't feel like you're good in this situation. And in those moments, just like Ryan, coming to that place, even in my pain, I could acknowledge God. Even when I don't understand, I could acknowledge God. Even in my struggles, I could acknowledge God. Sometimes acknowledging the goodness of God is painful because what you are experiencing is not good. That's why Hosea says we must press on. It's not, sometimes it's not easy to acknowledge. Oh yeah, you're always good. Sometimes you gotta press on. God, you are good. You are always good. I hear the Lord saying, will you allow? Let me get this chair. Kingdom first is this. In your heart, in your family is a throne. And as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we say, yeah, God, you sit in that throne. But often, when we don't understand, when we are in pain, we just kind of, you're almost always good. But here, here, you're not good. Sometimes, you're almost always good. But it's just here, it's just too difficult. It's just too inconvenient. So, and we take back. And and those areas could be something very small, insignificant, to something very significant. You know what I hear the Lord saying? Today, today, will you put me back here over your convenience? Will you put me back here over your family? Will you put me back here over your loneliness? Will you put me back here even over your struggles and pain? I want to, I want everyone to close your eyes as I pray.
sense the nearness of the Father. Our God, when He calls us to live kingdom first, He's not a tyrant that just demands, but He's a loving Father. Loving Father who wants what's best for His Son, for His daughter. And I sense that nearness of our Father coming near every one of you. You know, this area, this area, here, can we clean this out? Okay, let's work on this. Sharon, let's work on this. Hmm? Mark, let's work on this. Eric, let's work on this. Jennifer, let's work on this. Nicole, Keone, Brody, Joy. I hear the Lord saying that he's pointing to that one area in your inner house saying, let's work on this. I don't condemn you, son. I don't condemn you, daughter. I don't expect you to be perfect right now just because you say yes. But that area he's pointing at, pointing at, you have prioritized something else other than my kingdom. Not because I want, I want to just rule. No, because I love you. Because I am your father. Let's work on this area. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to point to that inner room, in your heart. What is that area God is saying? Let's get rid of that. And let's surrender that to the lordship, to the rulership of God. With every eye closed, maybe some of you, you know, I want that. But but I don't even belong to the house of God because I have yet received Jesus as my king. As my Lord, I don't even fully understand what that means. But right now, as you're talking, Pastor, I do sense something different in my heart. And I think that's God. I think that's Jesus. And even though I may not fully understand, I want to respond. I want to respond. I want to say yes to God. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and allow the Father to come in. Allow the Father to come. Just, just, just shower you with his love to, to cleanse you with his love and to cleanse the inner heart of yours. There's anyone, even one that says, I wanna, I want, I want to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe I knew God, but out of pain, out of struggle, I walked away from God. But I want to come back. I want to put kingdom first. And if you want to come back, why don't you also raise your hand? I want to give every opportunity for anybody, anybody here to say yes to the kingdom of God. To say yes to Jesus.